We're continuing our series, Mission of the Kingdom, where we're exploring the gospel of Luke, which announces the arrival of the king. And eventually we'll get to the book of Acts, which talks about the expansion of the kingdom to the ends of the earth. We started Luke several months ago, and as promised during Advent, I said we would return to the early chapters of Luke that prepare us in this Advent season. Last week, Pastor Sam talked about the arrival, uh, the announcement of the arrival of Jesus to a young Mary, uh, that she was with child and that the child she was carrying was the very Son of God. This week, we looked at the end of Luke chapter one, and we see the response of a young teenage girl, scared, full of shame. And what is known in verses 39 through 56 as the song of Mary. Let's read it together. Luke chapter one, verses 39 through 56. This is the word of God. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. She entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. This baby, by the way, was John the Baptist, Elizabeth being the mother of John. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and then she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked on my humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. Holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. The grass withers and the flower surely fades, but the word of our Lord, it stands forever. Aren't you grateful that you and I have the word of God? You may be seated. Have you ever been a part of a wild celebration, maybe a milestone anniversary, a milestone birthday, maybe your favorite sports team won a championship, the high school, college, or professional level. Maybe you know someone who was sick, and then they were healed, someone who was lost, and then they were found. There are moments in our lives that are reason for great celebration, uh, just exuberant joy for what has happened in your life. In Luke chapter one, particularly the passage that we just read, 
It is reason for celebration. Young Mary erupts in joy. Now, it's interesting, the passage that we studied last week under Pastor Sam actually shows us a very confused individual, a young teenage girl, lost, wondering how could this happen? To imagine being in that scenario, a 14-year-old girl not only being told that she's pregnant, but that she is pregnant with the very Son of God. And all of a sudden, we see a Mary no longer lost, scared, and confused, but in this passage that we just read, it says that her heart is rejoicing, that her soul is being magnified. And the question is, how in the world do you go from scared and confused to having a heart that sings for joy? I want to ask you this question this morning. Is your heart singing with joy? Has your heart ever rejoiced? Does the gospel actually make your heart sing like Mary? Let's study it together this morning. The first thing I want to point out in this passage of Luke chapter 1 is the cause. What would cause this young girl to go from confusion to exuberant joy? to erupting with a spirit of joy that her heart and her soul is now rejoicing. Remember the passage last week, the angel Gabriel is going to Mary and this girl is troubled. How in the world is this possible? But all of a sudden she's responding with such joy. And I wanna point out actually two causes. And I pray that as we look at these causes in the passage, the cause for great joy, that you would see the relevance and the application in your own life. I think one of the causes of this joy is the word of God. And not only did Mary know the word of God, but clearly it was something that had been a part of her life for years. Look what it says in verse 45. Elizabeth says, blessed are you who believe that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. You see, Mary is someone that not only knew the scripture, but she was evidently someone that had learned to trust the promises of God. Elizabeth is saying to Mary, you are an, an individual that has grown up in a home that understands the promises of God and you in your heart believe that God would fulfill them. Mary is an individual that has God's word deep into her heart or as the scripture says, hidden in her heart. Mary has the word of God so deep into her heart that when she faces the crisis of faith here in Luke chapter one, when she faces the crisis of shame and confusion, she is able to dig deep into that reservoir, that treasury of God's word that she had grown up with, the promises of God, the promises of his faithfulness, the promise of his steadfast love, and it would carry her through the most trying circumstances. I wanna ask you, when you go through tragedy, when you go through moments of confusion, when you go through the fog and the storms of life, what are you looking to? 
Is God's word so hidden into your heart? Is God's word so massaged deep into your soul that you're able to go into that reservoir of God's truth, that you're able to dig deep into that treasury of God's promises and say, God, you have proven to be faithful in my moment of crisis right now, in my moment of fear, in my moment of confusion, I am able to dig deep into the treasury of God's word and the promises of his word. And these promises are able to carry me through. You see, what Mary is doing in this song in verses 46 through 55 is she is reciting scripture. She's reciting scripture. She's, she's reciting the scripture that Hannah sang at the birth of Samuel. She had known the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures uh, at the time of her youth in such a way that she's proclaiming and declaring the promises of Almighty God as they're found in the word of God. So how about you? Is God's word so hidden in your heart, so deepened into your soul, that you're able to look to the word of God as your source of hope and strength in the most trying circumstances. The cause for great joy, the cause that made Mary's heart sing was a result of knowledge of the word of God. But the second cause is community. And notice that Mary, after hearing the message of the angel, does not run and hide in isolation. Many of us are prone to do this. Many of us are prone when life gets hard to remove ourselves from our friends. We're prone to not wanna see other people. We're prone to even miss out on what God does in the context of corporate worship here at church. We're prone to wanna avoid other people. But notice what it says in verse 39, that Mary runs in haste. She runs in haste because she doesn't want to discern the will of God in isolation. She doesn't run to the beach. She doesn't run on top of a mountain. She doesn't say, I just need to be by myself. She says, I need someone else to help discern the will of God. You can imagine when Mary awakes from her sleep and wonders and ponders the dream. Some might say it was a nightmare. That she needed what? She needed someone else to help her discern the will of God. And how infrequent are we to run away and not run to community? How infrequent do we go to other believers in Jesus Christ to say, I am struggling and I am hurting and I am in the midst of the fog and I need my brothers and sisters in Christ to help me to discern the will of God. This is the joy and the promise of community. She doesn't run away from it, but she runs into it. Where's your community found? Who are the brothers and sisters in Christ that you're able to run to with your secrets, with your fears, with your struggles? She doesn't try to discern the will of God alone, but in the context of community. But notice the nature of this community. Mary, historically, we know that she's a teenager. And the passage tells us that Elizabeth is older. We don't know exactly what age. But do you see the nature of the community? It's not Mary running to another teenager. 
It's Mary running to an older, wiser woman. That's the beauty of the church. It's young people going to older people. It's older people seeking out younger people and saying, this is the beauty of the bride of Christ. It's young and old. It's young people going to older people saying, I need your wisdom. I need your counsel. It's older people in the body of Christ saying, you can learn not only from my success, but you can learn from my failures. Brothers and sisters in Christ, there are young people in this community that are desperate for a mentor, desperate for to be discipled, to learn what it means to, to be a leader in the business community and lead not according to the ways of the world, but lead according to the ways of God. There are young moms and dads that are desperate for direction. I don't know how to do this thing, this thing called marriage and this thing called raising a child. Young people in our community desperate to be mentored, desperate to be led. This is the community that God has called us to. Mary needed Elizabeth to affirm her. How awesome and life-giving was the word that Mary speaks, that Elizabeth speaks to Mary, that this is the will of God that the Lord is visiting, that you just didn't dream or have a bad nightmare, but this really is the will of God for your life. That was life-giving in that moment. And it caused Mary to break out with utter joy and delight. It was the word of God hidden in her heart in the context of beautiful community that can only come through the people of God gathering together. This was the cause for Mary to go from confused and scared to break out in song and joy. I don't know if you've already thought about New Year's resolutions, but would you make this one of them, that if you do not have gospel-centered community, that you would go out and you would find it. We have Bible studies and community groups. Find a friend, an accountability group, a mentor, some way to experience gospel-centered community. I don't care whether you're a teenager or you're 85 years old, we never grow out of the need of having this beautiful community to together seek the Lord's will for our lives. We see the cause for joy. Secondly, we see the passion. We see the passion in verses 46 and 47. Yes, Mary is reciting scripture. She is singing truth. But do you understand the passion in Mary's voice? It's captured in the passage. It says that she doesn't just utter these words. It says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices these words in the Greek communicate the passion, the exuberance. This isn't just Mary just uttering some words. This is Mary you can picture shouting at the top of her lungs. This is Mary exuberant with joy, with passion. What does a magnifying glass do? A magnifying glass takes something that is small and it makes it bigger. It says that her, that her soul is growing and expanding at the thought of carrying the very son of God. But who was this son of God? It's revealed that Mary understands what this son has come to do and the reason why she is so passionate about being the mother of Jesus. It says in verse 47, my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Wait a second, Mary 
wasn't sinless. Mary wasn't immaculate. No, even Mary understood that she was a sinner in need of God's grace. And when she understood the purpose of the Son of God, that this Son of God has come into the world, for Mary, a sinner, how could it not cause her heart and her soul to rejoice. This is the reaction, the only reasonable reaction when you understand the message of Christmas and the heart of Christianity. If there's anything less than exuberant joy, we just don't understand the joy of Christmas. Maybe you've been a Christian for years and you've just lost the sense of wonder. You've lost the sense of passion Do you understand how Mary responds? Not meek and mild, but with a soul that is magnified and a heart that is rejoicing. We see the cause for joy. We see the passion of this joy. But third and lastly, we see the message. What is this song all about? In verses 46 through 55, this song is known as the Magnificat. It's technically the first Christmas carol. It's been sung for centuries. It's been chanted in monasteries, sung in cathedrals, put to music by Johann Sebastian Bach. This is the great Christmas carol of all time. But what is the message of this Christmas carol? Well, I'll tell you this. It's not sentimental. I hate to burst your bubble, but some of the Christmas carols out there are just a little too sentimental for me. I mean, take away in the manger, the cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. My foot, are you kidding me? A little baby born in a manger under those circumstances? There is nothing sentimental about the the song that Mary is singing. Listen to the message and the content. This is a song about a king that is coming into the world. Nothing sentimental about it. Verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. What Mary is declaring through song is that a king is coming into the world to save sinners from themselves and to put this world straight again. And how will he do it? He will bring down the proud and he will exalt the lowly. That the winds are coming. The winds of the Messiah are coming into the world, Mary is declaring, and this world will never be the same again. This is the good news of Christmas, that a king has come into the world, not to lie in a manger absent of tears, but a baby has come into the world to put this world right again, to do for us what we could never do for ourselves, to bring all of the healing and all of the hope to a lost and dying world. This is the good news of Christmas, that the low will be exalted and those that want to exalt themselves in this life will be brought low. The question is, which are you? Are you seeking to be exalted in this life? The promise is you will be humbled. Or have you come to the place 
where you have humbled yourself to the point where you understand your deep need for a savior, the promise for you is that one day you will be exalted. This is the good news of Christianity and the good news of Christmas, that on the cross, our sin is transferred by faith to Jesus Christ and in return, his righteousness is cast down onto us. He gets our ugliness and we get his beauty. That is the message of the gospel and the good news of Christianity. You see, the Bible tells us that we have a fatal disease and the fatal disease of sin has separated us from God and it is only through Jesus coming down, Emmanuel, that we are able to be reconciled with God both now and forever. Have you surrendered? Have you come to the place in your life where you finally understand the true meaning of Christmas, what Christ has come to do, the good news that he gets our sin and we get by faith alone his righteousness. Christmas is the announcement that no longer do we need to strive to be perfect because we can't. No longer can we try to attain a perfect righteousness of our own because it's impossible, but Christmas is the announcement that Jesus Christ has come into the world to save sinners like you and me so that we could have exuberant joy both now and forever. A few weeks ago, I heard the story of an older woman's funeral and her son was giving the eulogy and he did the eulogy by way of a picture slideshow. He talked about his mom and growing up in humble conditions through the Great Depression. Talked about uh, his mom not having any material wealth as a child and even into her adult life, but she had found Jesus and that was the, the source of her joy, the, the source of her hope. But one picture in particular was the day of her wedding. And the son said that my mom wore the only outfit she could afford, a navy dress. But she had lamented her entire life never being able to wear a white wedding dress on her wedding day. The pastor got up afterwards and said, son, I've got good news for you this morning. Because your mom placed her faith in Jesus Christ, as she entered into glory, she finally received the white wedding dress of Christ's righteousness. And God looks upon her as his beautiful bride forever and ever. Brothers and sisters, the good news of Christmas is that if you are found in Jesus Christ this morning, then you too have a waiting for you, the great wedding dress of Christ's righteousness, so that when God the Father looks upon you, he looks upon you with the same affection and the same adoration as he looks upon his very own son, that you, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, can live forever as a son and as a daughter this alone will cause your heart to sing. This alone will give you unwavering joy. Not a new home, not a new vocation, 
Not all the material wealth this world has to offer. Alone, Jesus Christ gives us joy, both now and forevermore. It's the good news of Christmas. It's the good news of Christianity. The only thing that will give you utter joy, both now and forever. And the only thing that could cause your heart to sing. Let us pray. Father and our God, if there is anyone here I just want to pause and recognize that there might be someone here or watching online that has never understood the true meaning of Christmas, that all the lights and all the songs, all the services and all the concerts and all the parties are for one reason and one reason alone. The king has come. The king has come into the world to save this world from sin that whoever believes in him and his work on the cross, they can have joy and life to the full both now and forever. So if you are here this morning and you have never confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, you've never recognized it in your heart that he alone saves, would you do so today? Not later today, not tomorrow. There is no joy never-ending joy. That can't be found in this world. It can only be found in Jesus Christ. So would you come, pleading with you to come, to know the true meaning of Christmas and the hope of heaven, both now and forever. Would you confess that you're a sinner in need of grace and receive him as Lord, accept him as Savior, and live with unending joy not based on your circumstances, but based on the rock-solid truth of Jesus and him crucified. And for us that know Jesus Christ this morning, may we take this message of joy and may a watching world desperate for hope, a world desperate for joy, sense the joy radiating from our hearts, sense the joy radiating from our lives. May they look at us and ponder what in the world would cause their heart to sing and soon discover it is the salvation that is offered in Jesus Christ alone, the salvation that causes our heart to sing with joy. And all God's people said, amen.